0: It's The Jesus and Paula Show, starring Jesus Christ and Paula Price. Tune in as we learn the mind of Christ and thoughts of God.
1: you be in November. You need to be right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma with us for this year's annual New Era Apostleship Summit, Summit, our Apostolic Summit. Apostles shift eras to save nations. That's the emphasis because, hey, we need saving. We need to be saved. We need to be saved right now. And it needs to be by those who are of Christ operating in the apostle, prophet, The fivefold, that's who needs to save us because, see, a lot of people can come and rescue you when you need to be saved. But it may not actually be for liberty. Sometimes it's for bondage. And so we want to make sure that we're being saved by the deliverer, by the liberator and not the enslaver of our soul and this nation. I mean, we can it's scary to really explore and examine the state of our nation right now. And it's not about politics. See, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about existence, the state of where our nation is financially economically on all fronts. Um, We have even education, music, the whole gender issues. This right here, this is what we need to be talking about. This is what the battle is about, the saving of our souls, the saving of our nation, the soul of our nation. And we really can no longer afford as the body of Christ to play it the safe way and say, well, that's not my job as a pastor. That's not my job as a leader. Let the people decide. We've done this for what, 30, 40 years? now and look at where we are. And so while we are not telling people, and I say we the wider we, because we obviously are, the body is not on a broad scale. uh, They're playing it safe. We're just going to hide out and telling people their futures. First of all, I want to know what kind of futuristic prophecies you're getting and giving if you're ignoring the reality of what's going on now. All these happy time, prophetic words, all of this, somebody needs to hear this and be encouraged. All of this, God's going to rain blessings on you and everything else, totally bypassing the actual reality of our situation. It is bleak. It is frightening. And if you actually listen to people who are behind the scenes telling you the truth, then you would have a different outlook because, hey, The church itself in this country is two steps from being locked down. We saw what happened before, and that was meeting in buildings. Now it's about, we see also, the censorship, social media platforms, and and everything else, everybody's algorithm under the sun, keeping your posts low, lower viewers, uh, lower views, lower clicks, lower likes. If your topic is something specific that's not according to their agenda, it's really time for us to wake up collectively and say, what are we going to do as the giant that we always are? Because guess what? It's our responsibility. God has has given this to us. He said in his word, he's given it to us to take care of. We used to be the stronghold. We used to be the the gatekeepers. We used to be the standard. People couldn't run around looking any old kind of way on the street. Um, You could not, you know, there were certain products that just died in the open market because the church was like, we boycott that. And it was boycotted and shut down. Do you know how many things the mobilized church did? This was before social media. How do we all know we were boycotting? This was before texting. This was before emailing, even to the extent for sure that it is now. We would see a product. The church would say, not so. It's not happening. We're boycotting your you're boycotting your clothing line. We're boycotting this television show. Although that has still been quite effective, I must say, when when they come out with this. Antichrist sacrilegious mess on television. A lot of that does not last long. However, they keep making it. And sometimes they do keep it on their network just to prove a point, no matter how poorly it's doing. But when the church mobilized to come against something, it died. Or it became a subculture. Not the main culture. No, we need to push you down to where you belong. So even if we can't end you, we will suppress you. The church used to be the master suppressor of evil and wickedness. And see, now we see why we had to do that. Because the argument is everybody has the right for free speech. If all we were doing was talking, and if talking didn't produce fruit, then that might have an argument. No, no. This was suppressing agendas, regimes indoctrination <clears throat> I was at a meeting last night. A congressman out of Texas was speaking here in Tulsa, and he said, You could not. I'm sorry, that was, was somebody else who spoke, who introduced him actually. But he's this gentleman said, You could not have told me that my kids would have to deal with their gender identification, their what? Pick that you can take a three year old and start giving them hormones to suppress them going into puberty. I watched a story recently of a young man who, you know, boy, he wanted to be a girl kind of thing. And so it was illegal to do, this was in another country, and the mother was on estrogen. She was on hormones for herself. So she starts giving them to her son. Now the doctor said over there, no. The psychologist said, No, this is a disorder. This is no, mm -mm, you cannot do this. You will make permanent damage to his body. If he ever snaps out of this, he's stuck. And so she began to give him her estrogen. Halted his natural phase in puberty because he was like mid, midway through and uh, softened all of his features because that's what the hormones do. So he looked more feminine, did all these kind of things. Well, on the other side of this, he decides I'm not a girl after all. I really am a boy. But guess what? He's permanently stuck in between two genders. And she now is like, did I do the wrong thing? And I just really didn't consider. So, see, we have parents who are just as culpable in this as this thing wouldn't get off the ground if it didn't have parental support somewhere. And so she believed that he could. And now he is like. 16 or 17 maybe maybe 18 years old facing the reality of the rest of his life being this we don't know what gender your your genetics your chromosomes are one thing your hormones are something else and so it's like now, because this is all about producing a sterile, how many movies have come out about humanity becoming extinct because of sterility? Everybody's sterile. Nobody can reproduce. And then they have to turn to science to create ways to, to reproduce humanity, to, to generate pregnancies again and everything like that. All of that. And we learned this on this show was painted out so that we would be compliant when those ideas initially absolutely crazy. But, you know, they did do that in such and such. And they did do that in whatever television shows, series, multiple seasons in series about this very thing. But I tell you what, God is still on the throne. And if he. And if he be gracious, then we will have another shot at this. Now it's still Prophet's Month. This is the last Thursday in Prophet's Month. It's also Chief Prophet's birthday. Prophet's all price. But this is the last Thursday in Prophet's Month. Our sale of the weekend is fifteen percent off the P A Q, the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire. I had to get it all right. I was like, it's not the assessment. It's the aptitude. It is an assessment. The prophetic aptitude questionnaire. If you're one of those people who's been hovering around waiting for another sale, this is probably going to be as good as it gets for a minute. So you want to make sure you get that 15% off. You can pay for it now. Take it next week. Take it later. But make sure that you purchase your PAQ. Find out if you are on the beginner, intermediate, or advanced level prophetically. Not what you feel you are. I know I'm advanced, Prof. Angela, because I've been doing this for X amount of years. Mm. You know, you can do the same thing every day. It does not make you a master. It does not make you accelerated. It does not make you at the top. I say this all the time. Somebody can work in a company for 50 years. does not make them ultimately the CEO. The CEO is the CEO. The administrator is the administrator. Not saying people can't progress through and up, but time served does not equal promotion guaranteed. We don't do that. So you want to make sure that tomorrow here at the embassy in Tulsa, Oklahoma, is our first Fruits of Praise, fresh off the altar worship concert. I'm ready to lay down right now. Yes, I'm ready to fall out myself. We had rehearsal on Sunday, and I tell you what, it was powerful. And we were just kind of messing around. And our guest ministers were both able to attend. They were in the house, and we fell out. As you can see, Pastor Chris Emery amazing worship mantle, worship anointing will be here. And our new friend, Matt, will also be here as well on that electric guitar, making that thing sing, okay? When you can master an instrument, it sings with you, even when you're not singing. And so we're going to go in and go out. Whatever it is, whatever God does, we don't even have a big set plan so that God can just move the way we know he's going to. You know, this isn't our first, second, or third rodeo. Why have all these deep plans? and then have God go, right. Okay. No, 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 no. Now the apostolic summit right around the corner, you saw the promo right the week of that before that we have the colloquium. I always have to, you know why? Cause I want to say like colloquial and I want to say, you know, so like other words that, that are not colloquium. And so we have our colloquium, our focalized, um, seminar here about building your ministry. Looking forward to build a strong apostolic prophetic ministry or organization. Join us. You can actually join us virtually or in person for the colloquium. Do you hear me? Are you looking at me right now? You can join us virtually right where you are. Whatever state you're in, whatever country you're in. You can join us online. You can join us in person for the colloquium. So message us and let us know if you're interested in that. It is specific to those goals. It is not the Apostolic Summit. You're not going to get that teaching. We're not going to slide into that teaching while we're there. It is business about the actual logistics, nuts and bolts of building Your apostolic ministry, so important and so powerful. A lot of people, God is shifting them into apostleship. He's shifting them, but you have to know, listen, I had a five speed. I had a stick and you have got to know how to shift in order to not tear up your car and not wreck your transmission. I think I could teach an an analogy on that the importance of knowing how to shift. When you shift those gears manually, it has to be a smooth coordination with your hands and your feet. And the wheel, let us not forget the wheel. I am a master at driving with one hand because I drove a stick for so many years that I can just, you can eat and I can now, I mean, come on, you can handle a lot on the, and do whatever you need to do. So make sure if that is you, that you sign up and learn how to shift appropriately, then we have the Apostolic Summit, which is not virtual. It is only in person. We want you to be in the house under the anointing, under the dispensation, under the mentorship of the apostle. And so we have a very special guest keynote speaker for the dignitaries dinner, Johnny Moore. Amazing man in the kingdom of God. You know, you could get so caught up in the uh, most pronounced popular people out there that you don't even realize how many people are really making things happen in the body of Christ and in the kingdom. We're going to watch this quick, like 90 second clip of Johnny, some things that he stands for, and who he is, and why you should register for this year's Dignitaries Dinner in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in November 16th, 2022.
0: The state department official number is in 60 countries around the world today. It's, it's dangerous to be a Christian and it's actually probably more like 80 or 90. I mean, we are seeing first century persecution in the 21st century on a scale like we've rarely seen in history. And in every single one of those circumstances, the first people, these bad men target are Christians, well, ISIS has done that in terrorism. Mm -hmm. They've disrupted terrorism. Hmm. And you know a lot of leaders would say, we didn't see this coming. It was a total surprise. Yeah. But, but it wasn't a total surprise. No. This organization, ISIS, has existed since at least 2003 or 2004. Mm-hmm. It was an offshoot of al Qaeda in Iraq. See, we have to be careful you know, to not succumb to the, uh, to the propaganda. Uh, it, this is, by the way, what communism is really good at. You know, I mean the, the, the communist system, wherever it's been tried in history, eventually crumbles down on itself. They suppress the voices of those people. This is what always happens uh, with, with communism. This is the lesson of history. It eventually crumbles down on itself. But what the communists have always been good at is propaganda. The United States is a confident country.
1: We hold our leaders to account. And that's why you want to be here. Wednesday night, November 16th, 2022, for the Dignitaries Dinner. Johnny Moore, powerful. He is also over our, Dr. Price's marketing company, uh, JDA Worldwide. And he founded the Kairos Company, which was the initial one. And then it just expanded, was bought out, and all these other things. And it's gotten so much bigger. And so this man has a backbone made of steel, I'm sure of it an entire steel skeletal system to do what he does (laughs) for the Lord. And that's what you have to have a backbone. Um, not just a heart, not just passion, not just fire, but you've got to have a backbone of steel and iron that cannot be broken and won't be moved against opposition. Apostles, we are, That's is why we're addressing, why we're shifting eras to save nations. And that preaches, so isn't that exciting to preach? It's so amen to say yes, yes, until it's time to get out there and do it. And that's when you really discover, do you have what it takes to execute? What God has given you, or only talk about it. We see a lot of people doing a lot of talking and not doing a lot of doing. And if you are an eloquent speaker, if you're charismatic, which these mantles are built to be charismatic, if you're that, then you can just, I mean, say and say and say, say and not really do. Dr. Price has recently dispatched our prophetic company into the city to go to the board meetings and the city council meetings and to sit there and to pray, to make our presence known, to flex your mantle. I mean, to flex your mantle and flex your mantle muscle. When people go in and they know, oh, here come Prophet Angela from Dr. Price. Oh, Lord. That's right. Devils beware. We're on boots on the ground, boots on the ground, and not just in the prayer closet, in the back of the building, the farthest point from the front line of warfare. That's the safe place. That's the hiding place. We always want to be in the hiding place, don't we? Lord, you are my hiding place, my resting place, my strong tower, all those things. But you know what? At this juncture, he needs people out front who are willing to not just take hits, but to throw blows. And we have got to be out there throwing blows and going to meetings and being loud when necessary. Not, 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 um, see, you have to be strategic because you can be loud and then you're always thrown out and actually have less effect. You can be counterproductive to why you're there, counterintuitive to why you're being sent. So it's not just about being loud because anybody can be loud. Anybody can disrupt, you know, just, it's all about disruption. Anybody can disrupt. He even talked about ISIS being disruptive and what they do. It's not about just that, but it's taking back authority, taking back ground, being the stronger man in the room. And you could say nothing and be the highest power. And everybody knows when you come in and sit down, oh, boy, oh, Lord. Everybody has been in that room at least one time when the boss walks in. And at some point, everybody stops. Do you need anything? Is there-? And they're like, no, no, I'm back. Okay. Okay. And was like, okay, why are you here? You, sh- you want the? All right. <laughs> Get a little nervous. Why are you just sitting here watching? And-, and see, that's how we need to be. When we show up, it's like, okay, but why are you all here? Because every time you show up, our plans, the plans of hell, have to go down by our presence, even in silence, praying in the spirit, knowing that you are about to mess, you about to throw them down. Father, we said in this meeting today, mm-hmm. You just sit there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm and look intimidating. Absolutely. Gone are the days of the sugar-coated soft church where everything is love, love, love. Love, love, love. In one of the programs that I edit in and, and create flyers and whatnot for, I was uh, looking for pictures of the Bible just to have on the side. And almost every picture that had the Bible highlighted was a scripture about love. Just love, not power, not anything else, not the word, love. And so we're supposed to just love, love, love. And we see where that's gotten us. Nowhere but on the bottom last week. Oh, did you watch last week's show? My God, Dr. Price talking about people quantum leaping into the office of the apostle. And before this, it was quantum leaping into the office of the prophet. Anybody who could hear from God in the bathroom, that bathroom inspiration, that pizza dream inspiration, that indigestion inspiration. Oh, my stomach acting up. I think it's God. Cause you know, every time my little left side hurt a little bit, then I know then you must be a prophet. Go on and prophet. Tell us like What? And so it should be no surprise that now people got bored with that, failed at that. Oh, let me dabble in this here apostolic thing and see how that works out. i tell you what, and I said this on my broadcast yesterday, each office, like in the natural law enforcement, has their weapons of warfare. You have got to know how to handle those weapons because the kickback on those things can knock you straight out. If you are mishandling anything pertaining to your office office the weaponry assigned to apostleship you have got to be skilled to work with that with the prophet you have to be skilled to operate in those realms and in those spheres and when you are not you get you can be taken out by your own devices uh it's your own grenade that blew you up forget friendly fire forget opposite it's operator error which can be catastrophic in high levels, especially when you're dealing with powerful weapons. You cannot even pick those. Oh, no, no, don't pick that up that way. Oh, no, you can't do. Oh, no, no, no. It's the you folk walking around leaving one bullet in the chamber. Thing goes off on You. You. Taking yourself out, taking the people out who are with you. She broke that down last week. Everybody checks the past and path of who's standing in their present is something that she said. And how we don't do that. We don't do background checks in the kingdom. Well, we do. But in general, we don't do background checks. We don't say when you see somebody who was with somebody prominently and then all of a sudden they're not and they show up somewhere else. You need to ask what happened because when somebody leaves their other job and then if you're going to bring them on, you actually don't ask that person. You go to the person that employed them, especially if you know them. Now, I need you to tell me what happened here. You may not be able to tell me details. You may be bound by confidentiality. Am I getting into a mess in dealing with this person? Yes or no? Would you exercise caution? Would you encourage me to move forward with them? See, these are yes or no questions and answers where you may not have to divulge personal business, you, but you can, no. Mm-mm. I recommend you make another decision. Okay, that's all I need to know. Well, I will say I did not write a letter of recommendation. <laughs> See, those things right there to the people who care about the truth, say everything. Absolutely everything. Well, you notice that I didn't have a letter of recommendation in their packet. And would you like some coffee or tea? And you just and it's like, okay, thank you. So thank you so much. You have a whole lunch to say that one statement so everybody knows we're not moving forward with that person. Or, oh, absolutely, yes, I give my seal, my endorsement. Go for it. That also says everything we do need to do our homework. And not believe one side of the story. And it's, it's, oh, it's just so. And I tell you, and sometimes you just like blow your fuse. I cannot believe the mishandling. But guess what? The whole entire system is based on mishandling. I mean, even in the pastorate, folk get put in, step in, do whatever, self promote, self appointed, friend appointed, uh, you know, flunky appointed. People who have not succeeded, let me tell you something, I would not be interested in apostleship at all if somebody who uh, commissioned me in this office was not successful in it already for a long time, a long time, who has mastered warfare, who has conquered and overcame, who can teach and impart that. These are warfare mantles, you're going to fight, that's the thing. And so, and teach you actually that truth. Yeah, that's come, so. Stop crying about it. Let's stop whining about it. It's you know who who wants to. Rachel's husband's a police officer. He came home today. Man, these criminals on the street. Oh, when are they gonna stop? Well, that's kind of why you have job security. Cause criminals ain't going nowhere. And if you don't catch them. They're going to move around. They're going to go to jail, do whatever. And we have got to stop walking around thinking not strange people. I mean, really, we still think it is so strange because the doctrine that we have been fed at large is passive. It's apologetic. It's backtracking. And we know it's sugar-coated, sugar-infused. Everybody is on the sugar crash right now in the body of Christ because we've been riding high on the sugar high of the God's love sugar for so long that now that thing is crashing because sugar will let you down, won't it, though? It will betray your high. And it cra- you crash on down. And that's where we are in the sugar crash of God's love. Like, nope, mm the sweet has left. The high of it has left. The endorphins of the doctrine are gone. And now the reality of what we have done to ourselves is settling in. Because, see, that's what happens when your sugar rush comes to a brick wall. And all of a sudden you are this, and then you're this. <laughs> anybody ever do it to themselves with the sugar, right? And you're like, and hey, you know what you say in that moment? Why do I keep doing this to myself? And then you reach for another piece of sugar to help yourself be lifted up. OK, because you don't want to go through the detox of not. Come on, if you're a, if you are an intense coffee drinker and you don't have that coffee sometimes for one day, two days, your head hurts, your mind doesn't work. You're cranky, can't take us, can't think, can't even praise God. Is he worthy to be pra- because you need that cup? <laughs> you need that cup. In your life. And that's how we are on this doctrine. God is yanking that thing out of our souls. He has taken all of the fluff and stuff out of it. And we are realizing what have we been high on all this time. It has not been nourishment. It has been an artificial high. And whenever you do, you know, survive the holistic transition from preservatives to holistic eating. And your body detoxes. And you survive it. Then you become grateful and thankful. You're like, wow, why didn't I do this before? And you're stronger and you're more focused and everything else. And so we're going to be right back after this quick message with our one and only host, at least the one that we can see, which is Dr. Price. We can't see Jesus Christ just yet, but we can see him through her. (laughs) Okay, follow me as I follow Christ. And so we'll be right back after this quick message with Dr. Price and wherever we're going in the kingdom tonight.
2: Because counselors can be very helpful in helping you see the blind spots of the, of you that you hate. We all have them. So you, you have things that you hate doing and yet they are why, they're why you're in the planet. So you're trashing all the reasons that God made you and all of the attributes and talents that he gave you. You're trashing that because of you're appropriating someone else. And the scripture has a four letter word for that called envy. Because you don't feel good about you, you know, um, because, well, that's, that's Satan's world. It's up to you to rise above his world. You, as Many people aspire to lead because it's a fascination. They're fascinated with what they see, but they're operating on just the visuals. Why? People just obey so-and-so. Oh, look, they get to sit in the front. And so you're always operating on the visuals and not the reality. Like, what does it cost for somebody to be trusted to that point? You don't even think about being trusted as a leader. You Just want to be appointed, everybody has their place. Every with what God said, every member gets to do their share. But so let's move on effectively. The treatments in this process blend the cognitive and effective domains so they infuse learners with the practicalities of prudent leadership, not just give me a chance leadership. Because if you want someone to put you in leadership just to give you a chance and you, you plan to operate on pity or deceit. So you don't realize it. So opinions become intelligence. And, and don't dare try to refute it because now you're going to get the lashing of the defense network. The reactionary defense is going to lash out at you From a tongue that can't spell. And a mind that can't think. So you all are always fighting with God and then you're mad because his promises are held up. God's like, I'm not late. But you are. So you don't know who God has coming down the pike in your life who cannot tolerate and who will pass you by because of something he's trying to fix. We're still on the journey of Prophecy Clinic because that's precisely what the entirety of the prophet's office and mantle bring us to. And we, we've kind of looked at the definition before and I'll share the word cloud with you again, but we're still on that journey and we're doing it to unveil the Almighty's prophecy machine where we are going to explore the message, the messenger, mantleship, and manifestations. And for those of you who don't find mantleship in the dictionary, just wait for my new one. It'll be there. And and the purpose is that we can think about teams. One of the things that we seem to have forgotten in this generation in this era of the prophetic is that prophets were always in companies and teams because it was foregone conclusion that God wouldn't just speak to one person if he was addressing an audience or in one tone or vein or stream as a matter of fact Paul emphasizes that when he says but you know let the prophet speaks one and two uh at due course but if something is real, revealed to another, let the first be silent. Now, we haven't quite worked out the mechanics of that council. We're still working out the mechanics of that, uh, but there is still the, the larger idea that prophets are not sole agents or sole communicators. Prophets are in companies. Why? Because God is wants to speak on a plethora of subjects. And in a spectrum of ways so that everybody in the audience gets to hear his word to the population in their understanding. He makes it relatable to them. So you'll have that. You'll probably have a representation of several prophets mantles. If you're going to put together a, pros, a presbytery, maybe a presbytery is good. Presbytery. I don't know. I might come up with that. You know, I'm on a blast with these words. So I, I could very well come up with a prosperity. But if we're going to put together a prosperity, then we need to make sure we have a prophet's mantle that represents all of the spheres of humanity. So that everybody who comes to a general assembly of sorts, conference, uh, symposium, and as our new one, colloquium, thanks to Chief Prophet Tala, but that they can still hear God from their perspective. There, In my assessment, I have 12 different types of prophets, so it it behooves us to have at least one voice on any one of those types. We then have the spheres of domain. You want that. So if you're going to put together an effective prophetic company or gathering, then you need to consider this council so that everyone can hear from God in their respective realms. Now, this is also important so that the prophets will begin to minister and get used to ministering with others and giving and taking. We don't like the protocol. There's, I mean, we poor etiquette, poor policy, poor, poor whatever, pick something, pro- protocols, whatever we have. We don't particularly like that because we've been taught to be lone rangers. And when you read the prophets in God's word, he sent out lone rangers, when he when the majority were against him. So then he'd have these lone prophets because they did not run with the crowd, they did not sell out, buy out, you know, bow out. But in the normal course of things, the Lord actually actually used companies. That Samuel had Prophets Mountain, high place where the prophets Gathered where they prayed, meditated, learned, studied, practiced, and all of that. Those days are coming back. You can make a, um, you can count on them. But if you look at this team, train, equip, arm, and mantle. It's important that you recognize that it's, the prophet's office is more than a verbalizing machine. We don't just, the prophet's office does not. Just speak. There is a whole sphere of domain that contains a full range, a wide range of duties, activities and responsibilities that occupy the prophets in between public appearances. We need to find out what that is. I have an amazing course on the organizational profit. When um, those some of you have been signing up for my Constructing a Contemporary Profit course, I would like to see more of you sign up because we're about to schedule that and launch that course. What is it to construct a contemporary profit using eternal tools, concepts, lessons, theories, and mechanisms? How do you do that? Well, you'll need to enroll in a class to find out because I'm not giving away the story. Establishing official prophets in public service practice. The prophets in scripture, as much as it seems like they just wandered around the countryside, only one of my favorite references for my teaching that I happened upon after I wrote Constructing the Contemporary Prophet It's Klaus Couch's book, The Prophets. Now there, he has two volumes. One's the red one. That's the one that is pretty technical. And then he has a blue one that gets real there. It gets there. And so, um, yeah, ooh, Jesus, Brother Klaus, I said, oh, yeah. But one of the things he said is that the roaming prophets were charismatic prophets. They were not considered official Nabi or Nabiim. Because they had no station, they had no home, no place of, of um, service, and no place of practice. So in his words, and, and I kind of deduced that from what God was sharing with me. Now, he's he's like in the 70s maybe even earlier. I'm doing my work in the 90s. And so it's interesting how God is still trying to get it out there. So when you look at these prophets and and, and when you see them, all you do is see them when they are prophesying, then you should question whether or not they're occupying the office or simply exercising the gift. Now, that can be a tricky question in today's time, because when you ask it, there are a lot of official prophets who've never been office trained. So they would be qualifying as a gifting, even though they do so much more than verbalize or voice the word of the Lord. So that that is another thing you'll learn when you enroll in my class, constructing a contemporary prophet. And the, the tagline is what prophets do when they're not prophesying. That's the whole premise of this. What prophets do when they are not prophesying. Because many of you don't know, you should ask the prophets in your world what they do. Many of them probably hold down a secular job. Nothing wrong with that. But that that's not occupying the office for the Lord Jesus Christ. So you should ask about, okay, so when you're not prophesying, what do you do? I mean, I know some, they get excited sitting in a restaurant on somebody else's establishment, prophesying to people who come. That's their workstation. And that sounds so good. Doesn't that sound trendy? Mm -hmm. Till you realize that if if you're in somebody else's station and you're just occupying that, then you're occupying their realm. You still are not in prophetic office practice. So one of the things that I am doing, and when you come to my event next month, you'll get a chance to see that I am working on getting us upgraded from just predictors and prophesiers to practitioners of the entire realm of divine communications. And many of us as officiators, if not the experts in that subject, because when you say you're an expert in, as a prophet, the best you can say is that I'm an expert communicator because there's nothing else that you can show expertise in. Isn't Isn't that a good thought? What else are you showing expertise in? You're an expert communicator. Okay, because the because the entirety of the prophetic has been restricted to speaking. Now, while it is a speaking office, it's also a publications office. It's a correspondence office. It's obviously we agree with communications, but it's also other things that has to happen for all of that to come to pass. If we're going to represent the almighty in the human realm. That's the whole job. We are representing the Godhead in humanity's realms. And that is huge. That is massive. And the, so that little two week training you got, that was just that wasn't even a primer. Ah, come on. You weren't even primed in that two weeks. That little nine month class you had, you might have made a primer. It takes nine months to get the vocabulary down. Trust me, I know I wrote a dictionary takes nine months to just do that. And if you don't start with vocabulary, you will not move up into communications, which is why you get profits that can't tell you much. Wow. I didn't say all. I said you can get profits that can't tell you much. They can give you a line, a line item, a line maybe a few sentences, but you can't get the rest of what the office provides and does from those people because they don't have it they're exercising their gift which means they're locked themselves on their own intelligence but what if we stepped into the logos which is the intelligence of the almighty god the father god the son and god the holy ghost what if we did that what would happen what if we really looked at the prophetic the way god designed it to function from able to rejoice prophets the lord has avenged you um, on his enemies. What have we understood that? Remember, Abel was not recorded, or at least we haven't left, but we're left no recordings of his prophecies. Now we did get some from Enoch with that little piece we get over there in, uh, I believe it's Jude. Um, but but these works existed. Now, one of the reasons, you know, because I've had people say, well, why don't we have all the prophecies from um the beginning of the world, well, we had the flood. I mean, we don't want to give credence to common sense. We had the flood. If we have a natural disaster now, and if we didn't get enough advance notice to gather and protect our library and our archives, then if essentially that history is gone, which is why it took Jesus to come and say that Abel was a prophet. It took him to say it. Because we had the flood and the flood wiped that wiped out everything. And so whatever Enoch didn't bring into, um, excuse me, Noah didn't bring into the ark was destroyed forever. So it might be in the ash somewhere and some archaeologists may find it. I mean, we did get the Qumran things. So I want you to think broader and stop thinking so metaphysically, so allegorically so ethereal, and realize that God, everything about God has got to become flesh if it's going to become part of his creation, his destinations, his generations, and his future. And that he assigned to prophets first. Now, I'm not a prophet, but I am a chief apostle, which makes me all of them. I'm, so that means I'm ex-official apostle. I mean, ex a prophet. I'm an ex-official evangelist. Pastor and teacher, because every in the New Testament, everything starts with the apostles. In the Old Testament, everything started with the prophets and the prophets mastery if they are good. That's why I, I mean, for a psychologist to be a prophet and a prophet to be a psychologist is a massive merger of two very important and eternal realms of God's creation. And when you hear a real prophet, a real prophet is going to talk to you and you're going to think you're talking to a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And because God put the 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 archives and the records of souls, humanity's souls in their mantle, in their spirit. You know, I almost want to rest on that. Can I just, I just want to rest. I want to rest. Because. Yes. and and. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Amen which is why a, a true prophet's education program has got to include soulology. I won't say psychology because you'll go to these other Buddha-driven programs and Asiatic-based programs and you'll begin to fix, um, heal people to stay broken and still live under the condemnation of the law of sin and death. So I use soulology so that you understand that we are talking about the, the, the soul as the maker made it. If you're taking notes tonight, write that down. Prophets are to learn soulology, which is the study of the soul as the maker made it. That premise is based on Ezekiel, where God talks about all souls are mine. And the soul that sins, it shall die. Hmm. That is a prophet, and in fact, a priestly prophet. If we're talking about the particular uh, specialty of his mantle, his mantleship is the priestly prophet. We we need to start talking about that instead of just having prophetic conversations where we're comparing what the Lord is saying to you versus what the Lord is saying to me. What is what he said to so and so? What they said on the news and what they said on that? Mm-mm, no. We need to start talking about the office, the full spectrum of the prophet's office, mantleship, gifts and talents, executions, and dispersals. Now, that'll keep us busy for a while. We need to start talking about and exploring with each other what what their particular mantle specialty is what what's department of the spectrum are they most suited for? See, there's a lot of growth for us to have here if we want to grow up because much of what you're, you're disgusted with right now has to do with that narrow definition of a prophet. There is a reason why the Old Testament calls their prophets Nabis And those of idols, diviners. Mm. There's a reason why there is that distinction. Divining is just talking. So today's modern prophets could very well unwittingly fit the definition of divination and not mean to, not intend to. So they've made themselves unintended diviners. Mm -hmm. They can tell you what they see in the future. Or what will happen but unless they are in what god calls in the office they cannot tell you your your psalm 139. that's their job they cannot do what uh, moses did in exodus 18. see so the, the, the that's important and the fact that we brought it over and the translators by this time uh, due to the discredit that prophets had been suffering the translators bring over prophetes and as prophet and it's the same word for diviners but in God's world in the origin he separated the predictor the classic predictor from the officer so the officer is the full bodied dimension of divine communications in that body we have verbal, verbalizing or communications. We've got your seers. We've got your dreamers of dreams. There's a whole office. It's all of, it's separated for us. Departmentalized is a better word. But we so we have that. Then you had that one that works signs and wonders or miracles. So but that, but if you paid attention, every prophet had a, had an emphasis that made them a specialist. That's what you're going to learn when you enroll in constructing a contemporary profit. Now, you can buy the book. Some of you have the book because it's been off of the market for, I don't know, two decades. But you still don't get the author. And I when people tell me, i read all your books. I know all about you, Paula Price. And you know what I always tell them? You know what I wrote. Don't say you know me because you know what I wrote. Because you were not in my filtering system. You couldn't you couldn't fight it anymore. And I tell them, you know what I wrote. You don't know what I chose not to write. You don't know what I left out and you don't even know my criteria and my decision making system on why I put this in and kept that out. And so don't tell an author, you know them simply because you because you read their work, because a lot of editing goes into our work. Just saying. But to get back to the point, you really want to enroll in this class. It is not for novices. So if you're a novice, you are not invited. I have another class for you. Taught by one of my mentees. Because I don't need you walking around talking about, wow, she's deep over my head. And I'm and and, and you talking to people, I'm over your head as if your head is up in cloud nine, you know? Because you, you take people's word for it. You don't ask them what was their level, what is their peak knowledge of the subject? What is their peak level, the pinnacle of their introduction or their knowledge, their exposure, etc. I have a 5E scale that I use to determine where people are. You'll get that in the class too. So when you are going to say somebody is too deep, make sure you're not too shallow. I'm gonna drink some. <laughs> see, you see what you did. She wasn't doing that, but if she was trying to be with the prophet. <laughs> I, <mean>, I, <laughs> I want you, because prophets are the foundation and the founding stone of all civilization. So that means that. Whether people like us don't like us, we're in the bet right if if the whole if the whole of the planet was cement, we're in the cement, and then we're part of everything that that cement builds. We are the founding stone, the prophet is the founding stone, and then when Jesus goes back to heaven and brings in the Gentiles, he then now brings in the apostles, and he started that. Of course, obviously, you know, before he left here. You, you, you have to understand because we, we're talking unintelligently. We're, and people are resisting us and resenting us because there's no intelligence. It's illogical. What got Jesus the attention that he garnered was that people kept saying, but he's saying things we've never heard and it makes sense and our hearts are burning within us and, and it's not the, the dinner we had. And so we have got to do better, people. If you're going to be a prophet, then be the prophet that, that founded the planet. laid the foundation and stop being a divinatory prophet. You don't know what that is? Purchase my book, The Prophet's Dictionary. I give you a pretty extensive definition of it. You don't even know that these people are divining. I can tell you that those prophets that apologized about, for, about this 2020 election were divining. That's why they apologized. So either they were divining when they prophesied or they were divining when they apologized. So either way, divination was in there. Because a true prophet will not recant anything that they know is God. They will just ride out the storm, ride out the criticisms and all of these other things, knowing that God's word cannot return to him void. And so they stand on the word of God, and if God gives them a controversial word, it's usually not in the beginning of their uh, their ministry. He because he kind of builds confidence by giving them words that quickly come to pass. So he's building their confidence to know God has spoken. Has you know God has spoken. Who can but prophesy? See, who can, but prophesy means not, you don't have to be a prophet. They put Amos among the prophets, but Amos said he wasn't a prophet. He said, I was no prophet. Amos was a gift. And he was an ad hoc gift at that. And so, some of the others. And God lets you know who were the real prophets because he, he, he the older prophets mentioned them. You think it doesn't matter that a seasoned prophet uh, acknowledges or refuses to acknowledge. You think that doesn't matter. It may not matter to your friends and your little circle of friends, but it matters to the discriminating. It matters to the discerning. Wow. Because they know that if the the people who are have been holding the fort on this and running with this all of those years are not acknowledging you, then there is something that you are falling short in. Because one of the things I do when I'm I, I, now that I'm able to, I'm able to pull my prophets into my profit uh, program, training program by from my pool of uh, intercessors. Because if you want to know who a prophet is, if you want to know where they are, put the prophets and the intercessors together. Yeah. That will immediately, immediately there will be that distinction. Immediately, you will see that. Put the prophets and the intercessors together. First of all, you'll see who falls out in prayer, goes to sleep in prayer. You already know that's a problem. Because they think, they think pray, prayer is a sleeping blanket. Oh my God. I pay attention to who cannot handle the pressure of the spirit of God. So if the Spirit of God so overwhelms your intercessors that they can't help but drift off, you probably have not even a good intercessor. Put them with the congregation. If you have intercessors that can pray, then they're going to pray. Now, the people who, the showstoppers will always give you a few words of speaking in tongues and pull out their journal, okay? That's a journalist prophet. That's a journalist messenger. Because let me tell you, there are journalistic prophets. Journalism. Yeah, all they want to do is journal. They just want to journal everybody's experience, they, and they and they do it in the group because they they don't get the same stimulus at home. So they take advantage of the collective stimulus that and the environment that's created, and they just sit and write. Now that so you're looking at someone who's a Out of touch with God, be irreverent because God is doing one thing, but they feel like they are like, I'm too, you know, too important to do that. And I don't I don't do the grunt work. They they believe they're praying in tongues and warring and sweat is grunt work. But actually, it is grooming work. It may be grueling at times, but it is grooming. And so, so you, you, you don't want that the person who already, you know, or, and then the same thing with the person with their Bible, they're sitting there create, treating that spiritual climate as a sanctuary for them to get a, a, a a, uh, concentration and intensity. They don't get a home alone. So they got the Bible out and, and, and and the grunts are still praying. So, you know, now don't ever do that with Dr. Price. Okay. Don't do that. I don't think you're deep because you got a word 20 seconds in because that tells me you brought that word. You did not prime that word and you did not get it from the result of prayer. You brought that word to the group and you tolerate us making all this drone until we shut up and you can let us know that you were too deep. So I'm not impressed with that. So don't do that. Don't And don't bring your Bible and act like the prayer intercession is for Bible study. Don't do that. When it's time to pray, I tell my people, shut your books, shut your journals, and pray. And don't, don't be scattered all over the room because we need you all to, that energy has to connect. Yeah. So we kind of need you in some sort of close proximity to one another. The other one is the people who sleep. And I don't, you know, you only allow to those once or twice in my session before I, I cut you from the team. And I'm gonna cut you for your own sake. Oh yeah. Because all those devils that people are offloading, you sleep, your defense, your guard is not up. So you're 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 the catcher. And you're catching all of that. I. It would be better that I don't even bring you into intercession. This is clinic stuff. I know you didn't think so, but you'll find out in a minute. So we don't I don't have that. I don't have the people. Let me tell you, we are in our intercessory thing. We don't not have the fillers, Hama, Hama, thank you, Jesus, Lord of, Lord. Of, I, da, 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 English, tongue, tongues, English. We can't tell the difference. Communicate with God is God. He's intelligent. He he understands your language. Smart guy. He kind of picks up. Yeah, he's got it. But when you pray, Jesus said that He said, "You think you're heard because of your vain repetition. You keep saying the same thing over and over again. And Father God, and Lord Jesus, and Almighty God, and Jesus, please, and Lord, and God, and Holy Spirit, stop that, because you're clogging your brain, and you can't get the intelligence through. Because you, you, if it's okay for you, don't have to talk fast. You don't have to pray fast." You can just say, talk to God like you're having dinner with him. And you brought your prayer list. If you have a difficult time, write your prayers down. I don't know why I'm covering this today, but clearly God is irritated about hearing some stuff. (laughs) (laughs) The Lord is 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 like, could y'all please. You don't have to call his name every other word, every other sentence. He knows his name. And while you're doing that, you're leaving room for much, much nonsense. You know, the uh, you know, the the uh, Proverbs when Jesus said the same thing, God doesn't hear you more because you call his name 16 times in seven minutes. He doesn't hear you more. You are actually breaking the transmission. So, God, you're flowing and then boom. And, you, and you, so you have all of these breaks in it, takes you forever to get a prayer through because you want us to think that you're deep because you can call God's name all those times or you can fall back on your hallelujah fillers and we're supposed to be impressed. God is a person. And when you sit in an office, you deal with him as an officer. You communicate with him as his servant and you communicate with him according to his intelligence. And a lot of that stuff you do, if you want to preach, then preach, but not in my prayer group and not in God's. God does not think intercession should turn into a sermon. Is it all right to say that? And you, because you're not there to stand in the gap for anyone. You're there to showcase your spiritual tech, whatever that might be. Meanwhile people are banking on your prayers getting through. You see even even the enemy will use a lot of that all of those kind of crazy antics and man and mantics. Look it up, it's a word. I think I have it in the dictionary. Huh? antics, those are divinatory antics or mantics, and you don't know that because you watched somebody do it and and everybody was excited, but when you do that in front of intelligent people, they are unimpressed. Just talk to God as an officer, as a servant, as a daughter, as a son, as a child. You don't have to do all of those antics. If you have an opportunity to preach, go get one. If not, go create one. Facebook, give everybody an opportunity to say something. So if you got to preach itch, go do that. But intercession is is supposed to be standing in place. We do standing in the gap, and that doesn't speak to this generation. So let me give you a 21st century way of looking at it. Intercession is standing in the place of a sufferer. As the stronger one. You need to write it down standing in the place of a sufferer as a stronger one so when you're interceding and you're interceding for your mother you are inter- you literally go into her disease or her sorrow or her loss and you go in clothed with the whole armor of god and you muscle out the enemy because that thing started spiritual and once you handle it spiritually she'll start to recover physically and or respond physically to the medication and treatment that's been unsuccessful up to that point. It's important that you realize that intercession may or may not require physical appearance, physical presence, but it is always you ceasing to be you to become the sufferer. See, if a lot of people knew that, they'd be better at intercession, or they dodge it altogether. Because Jesus said, "The reproaches that reproach you fell on me." You are the carrier. You're the bearer. You are the deflector. You are the the authority in that matter. So when you intercede, a lot of things that you all say in intercession, God is like, I don't even know what that is. The angels are like, Most high, we tried. You know, and then the angels stand around, they saying, trying to give, throwing words at you. You don't even get them. And then you get one word and you say it to death and never look it up. Yeah. This is the office. The office is very different. It doesn't pray like that. And when you see intercession in scripture, it is not until the church that the intercession is uh, immortalized by anyone less than a prophet. It's the prophets that brought us intercession and they did it with their authority. And when your intercession is effective, then you are then primed or conditioned to become intervention.
3: so my family spiritual lineage so my mother is mormon my dad is not uh, my dad's father was a lay minister at a um, non-denominational church in vancouver washington but he passed before we were born um and then my mom was raised in the mormon church who she decided to raise us mormon and so you know in the mormon church where uh, we are familiar with apostles and prophets they believe in those types of things so And that, that was kind of foundational for me already. So I wasn't surprised about, you know, prophecy and things like that, but going back and hearing the Bible truth and then comparing it to what Joseph Smith said, it is completely untrue. (laughs) Um, It was hard for my mom at first. Uh, She, you know, they, they believe very deeply that when your kids break away, that that's a direct reflection of you. Um, However, Um, she's seen, my family has seen me starting to flourish and grow and and change in these areas. And my mom has actually started to kind of move in this direction as well. So it's actually been a positive influence on my family. So it's been, it's been actually really, really good. When it comes to tithes and offerings, completely believe in it. Um, that is your war tax. That is what keeps you going. That's what keeps you moving. Even if it's your last dollar, it's the best thing that you can do. Um, As it pertains to giving back to the church Um, It's really really important to keep God's word going to keep his church going So this is our way of giving back to to a, a God who gives so much to
2: us So we'll do more on this later If you look on your screen, you'll see this a great deal I mean, a, a lot of times, to be honest with you. But I wanted you to understand that clinic equals case studies. Even when you have your prayer sessions or you have your training sessions, and, and if you just, all you do is preach, then all you did was give a talk. Stop thinking you talked. You didn't. You gave a talk. And to whoever had an need to hear, they heard. And the rest were bored. And it missed them. But when you're moving from your seat of authority in God, particularly as a founding officer, we're not just a founding minister, we're founding officer. Now, it's important that you get that because actually when you look in the hierarchy, historically, ministers are way down the line from officers. So Paul let you know, I'm not too big for the, for the quote unquote, little person, but I am a liturgos. I am an officer. I magnify my office. And sometimes you work in your office. Sometimes you work in the field. Sometimes you work in other people's property. We need to think differently and stop thinking so maniacally about the prophetic. We've been very maniacal in our approach and people are like, I- I'm trying to fix this. So if you look at this, you can look at the clinic. These are the elements that should be in your clinic. You should be able to do all of this and, and your program should be consisting of these and none of this should come before you do introduction and orientation and priming. We have a terrible habit in the the non-denom churches of starting everything with the end. So we'll start with how to prophesy, not why. Or when. Or by whom. We'll just say how to. We start you in how to classes. Then you all went out there and spent all of this money to be activated on a how to that you can't explain. And wonder why heaven is not paying you any attention. Now devils are happy. Because they're looking for prophets too. And if they can get one filled with the Holy Ghost, all the better. So when you do that, you when you do clinic, then when you move into that, the next thing you're going to get into is, of course, you're going to start looking at cases. Education should take care of cases. The reason that it's, it's unfortunate that you don't know the Bible is because the cases that explain you and justify you and substantiate you from heaven to earth you don't know about you have no idea so you're just making up all of these practices and all of these routines and functions for the prophet just just draw long so just off the cuff so you do it for the, your group and you do it for your group and you do it for your group and the funny thing about when you confuse the masses they dump you and that's what they're doing oh but so and so said and so and so said that so and so said that Mm These two things come last, not first. In the beginning, you want to just talk about theory, the concept, the idea. You know, I, let's see. I think I got my primer book down here. Hand it to me, because we talk about that when I in my book, assessing your prophetic self. Thank you. It's online, Amazon, it's online, my site, it's online, it's online a lot of places. But when you talk about that and you talk about the primer piece, you need to understand that what a primer does, you know? And so I want to just give you about what a primer does. Number one, hallelujah. I like this little light, but that's all right. I'm excited about this here too, whatever that is. Okay, come on up here and help me. There we go. Isn't that wonderful? So the primer is going to give you awareness. It's going to give you the the back, start, back study, back history. It's going to give you traditions. It's going to give you principles. Oh, I can do that, can't I? Ah, uh-uh, look at that. Look at that. And see, and you thought that she was just smart. Okay. So, and, and, and yeah, very useful. So your primer confronts and removes barriers and it teaches you how to reduce une- uneasiness. And, and this is about the prophet to interact or counteract obstacles. And we can go on, but those are some of the things that you should do so you all have uh, have the the, you, you have the the cliff notes of an expert and yet you never got the pragmatism the principles before you get pragmatics you need principles so you never got the pragmatism of the introduction and so here on page just for you if those of you who have the book you can read it after the broadcast if you wish but here it's a, a, a primer really the term primer ap- aptly cap captures my logical response to the many requests I received for from readers of the prophets dictionary often people sing the dictionary's praises while at the same time ask me to simplify its language so they might get more out of it when I heard the word primer it immediately struck me as the answer this is what the dictionary needs I thought, a primary way to simplify its professional language and explanation. So you need to start off with the primary way, then you move to the principal p-l-e way, and then you move to the principal p-a-l way, and then you move into your practice or practitioner. That is a journey, and when, part of the reasons why you jumped out there in the prophetic because somebody called you a prophet and you got slaughtered is because you jumped out there as a prophet. And you jumped out there with just somebody else's word. You did not have God's word. So moving on, just to give you a sense of where you begin and why it's not working for you, because you can prophesy, but if God doesn't speak and you built a global ministry on on predicting the future, when God shuts up, you're not left with anything but divination. Because when God shuts up, then you should shut up. And you should be about the other things that the office does outside of prophesying. Now, I want to read this though. However, a primer is not just for novices. It's page 19. To avoid giving the impression that primers are exclusively for novices or are too elementary for seasoned practitioners. Let me say this. Primers are also used in pre-med, pre-law, chemistry, and psychology, education, and training. They introduce newcomers and advancing students to the preliminary foundations of specialized disciplines. Now, there's a whole lot more for you to learn assessing your prophetic self. I wanted you to understand that you want to get into the specialized, the mastery, and the expertise, and you don't even know why. And you have been talked out of reading your Bible because, after all, the Bible is antiquated. I just want to say to you, for those of you who say the Bible is antiquated, outdated, ancient, and antiquitous, let me just tell you the Bible came from heaven. Your interpretations coming from clay, your revelations and applications come from clay. The reason God makes it easy for prophets to get it is he gave them a spirit that never breaks its channel to eternity if it stays in the word the word guarantees the streaming of heaven's eternal wisdom to the prophet's soul the prophet spirit so the the spirit There is the spirit of God in the prophet, but then there is the spirit that is uniquely that of eternity's prophets. Does eternity have prophets? Well, yeah, I wrote it in uh, Before the Garden, God's eternal continuum, that God had angels as prophets first. So the template is not ours to make. It's ours to take. Wow. The template's already done. That's why angels will leave you when you start leaving Jesus. They're like, "Hold on. Wait, we're not going. Here's where we part ways." And they go and look for the next one that God is using. Well, Dr. Price, I'm not, you know, I don't know when the, the listen, when the spirit that put Saul in power left Saul. Everything has to have spiritual power. God assigned a but depending on what your translation a distressing or vexing spirit to take the pre- place of the quality spirit that God gave Saul in the beginning. Spirit means angels; oh. it means invisible beings. And so God's spirit left. When you read Ezekiel nine, it is a scary statement of God's spirit packing up and leaving. But you have you have to read it and stop le- stop letting people who can't spell Bible. Oh. Can't spell Bible okay tell you about Bible you have you you all are listening to professors who can't who have never cracked the Bible open it went to sleep open it got mad then decided to just watch it on TV and then decided to just listen to it on a tape and these people are telling you that it's outdated because they are underrated oh. and you're listening to them you don't ask them what they say well I'm sorry I took this course and that course I'm here to tell you most theology courses don't touch the Bible They touch books about the Bible. They don't touch. Let's see, I got one of my graduates in here. What you say, Dean? They They don't touch the Bible. So you think they know the Bible. They don't. They know texts that were written about the Bible. When you ask them how many hours they spent or how many years they spent actually handling the word of life the way the apostles did, They're going to tell you if they're honest. They didn't. And if they lie, let's just ask them some questions. Don't worry about it. They won't have answers. They won't have them. So you, it's up to you. It is your soul. We were not created by theology. We were not created by doctrine. You need to get there. We were not created by apologetics. And while I have no problem with any of those disciplines, they are not what was in the garden when God formed man from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life. See, the, none of those issues, none of those disciplines and studies and, were around. We were not created by systematic theology. We were created by the systemic breath of the Almighty. So I'd like to know how he created us. I want to hear from the person who made us because he made one man and one woman and hasn't been back since to make anything. His his work is so good that devil's got to try to use his product to pervert him. They still can't do it. And it takes millions of them and it's been taking millions of them millennia to do what God did in a day. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You can tell that the blindness is on the mind of these people because they can't put that logic together. Mm-hmm. And then science got the nerve to tell you there is no God. I'm like, there is no. OK, I'm going to go with you on that. There is no God, but you are God. How'd that happen? Wow. And you're God from the God from your maker, God's properties, material, processes and resources. Now he's still around doing God, making kids, babies, everything. you you are still look at you, rotting away and like all of aging out of eternity, aging, out of temporality, aging out of the planet. You're aging out, you're corrupting out of the planet. Your body, I don't care how much you say, you don't believe in God. your body does. Your body believes in God, and it starts to corrode and corrupt on time. You hit, and, and every 10 years, you're going to look there, and if you don't believe me, just keep your 16-year-old picture up on the wall. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every morning, in your mirror, when you go to shave and, and put on your makeup, brush teeth, I want you to look at that 16-year-old, and I want you to look in the mirror. I'm sure it won't, it won't hang there long. Because you won't be able to take how little it is. Pay attention when they have these, you know, they do these infomercials to all of these people who look better because they use some product. But then go to the book, go to the yearbook. Oh, she has an age a year. Yes, she has. Eyes were up here. They're now down here. Lids were up here. Now there's a gap between where they were and where they are. Face is still falling. Why? Because the bone structure doesn't care about your applied remedies. That's why many times people are like, you haven't changed or you have changed or whatever they say. But don't you can tell me all day long. See, we aging alone will kill it. Well, we're going to defeat aging. No, you won't. And you know why? Because the earth is aging and the properties that you're using and the materials that you're using to defeat aging comes from an aged earth. See, but that's Logos. And so you, well, I'm sorry. We have this chemical. We got it from the the rainforest. The rainforest is aging. Do you imagine the rainforest isn't Eden rather? The rainforest has aged. I don't care how fresh it is. Take that stuff, separate it from its source, put it on a shelf. It rots and it stinks and it goes away. And it was the rainforest. So now God has examples. You know, we do know that he has examples. We know about the hell of cells or the hill of sales. But in the end, it's all dead. God's saying you're starting with death to defeat death. Now, that's in Bible. And when I started teaching on the spore of Genesis, I was like, God, when did you put this in here? And I'm convinced he came back and wrote it because I couldn't possibly have missed it. (laughs) But it takes the officer Of the throne of Christ to make the quality difference, the intelligent difference. So they can talk all day long about we're going to defeat this. No, no, humanity can destroy. We are masters at destruction. For the thief comes but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So humans are masters at destruction, which is why they destroy life to improve life. That's what we're living right now. They're destroying life to improve their lives because that is the law of sin and death and we're going to have to talk about that one day. I think you'll appreciate it but as it stands you should recognize this book and it listen and it's ravaged for because you know good and well they wrangled they took and they cut this out and whatever but what they missed was the Holy Ghost. See the Holy Spirit fills in the blanks and The word for the Holy Spirit filling in the blanks is called revelation. The Holy Spirit fills in the blanks to whosoever will listen. But he starts with his prophets. And if you read it, if you read it with your heart open, it's going to stop looking like print. And it's going to start becoming a, a dramatic production as God takes you into his memories. He has memories. Their mainframes have memory banks. God has memories. And God remembers how all of this began. He remembers how he got to be where he is. We don't give him credit for that. God is very clear on how he got to be where he is, which is why he can tell you, you stay, you go. He did that. He was on a cross. Man's on a cross. He's dead. I mean, he is beaten all night long. He's got this crown of thorns where his blood is running down his face. Them little pretty pictures you see, that's not actual. He's got body is slashed, not some some red stripes. Slash. Skin is open. Organs are exposed, falling out. See, we don't, you have not seen what he looks like. And you couldn't bear to look at it. They said he was marred more than any man. His visage was marred more than any man. There was nothing becoming about him on the cross. The cross we show, he's cute, still muscular. We're looking at the veins, got some pecs. He's doing well. (laughs) (laughs) For a man that's just been beaten all night long, he looks great. He took 39 stripes. The interesting thing about 39 is 9 and 3 is 12. And everything that we're dealing with is about 12. So he took 39 stripes, one less than 40. Why? Because 40 is the number of the resurrection of the king or a monarch. So here we are. He takes it all night long. And we paint him as a little cutie, a little hottie that just didn't wear all his clothes. But he's on the cross, and he tells one man, you're going to be with me in eternity. And he just totally ignores the other guy. Because the one who understood was in him before the foundation of the world. And the one who scorned him and mocked him at his time was not son of perdition. These are revelations that come from Jesus. He will tell you what his life was like, why he did what he did. And the world is still writing books about it. They're still doing movies. I haven't seen one that kind of lines up with a lot of what I got. But, you know, I'm sure I have to see a lot more of them to discover that. But God tells his story. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. And we don't have the Holy Spirit hovering like a nimbus cloud. (laughs) Just hovering, you know, And, and it's just running past you, running through you. No, the Holy Spirit is in us. He is our cellulation. He is the cell of every human being. He is our blood. And every aspect of the human physiology has an intelligence, has a brain. Blood cells have brains. I know we don't think they do, but they do. They have brains. So everything that God is saying and teaching us, you need to understand and realize it's his story. I remember the feminists getting mad because they were like, why does it have to be his story? Why can't it be her story? Well, you probably got a story, but it's not eternal. So we can have your story in the realm of the doomed. And we can have his story. From heaven to earth, from eternity to eternity. See, this is the logic that prophets have. Prophets are known for having that indisputable logic, that rebutted logic to know. Yeah, but that's what you said. They can talk to me all day long when a science can tell me that you look like you did at 16, 21, 30, 35. When you can tell me you still look like it and you're still built like it. See, because we're going to give cosmetic surgery, some props. But when when they tell me, when they open you, your organs still look 16, then I'm going to think you, you have found a fountain of youth. Otherwise, you have found a fountain of untruth.
0: <laughs>
2: Moving on. It's important that we understand that. All of us want to, you know, we all want to be, I want to be whatever. Take me back to 25, 23. I'll, I'll be cute at that with this wisdom. Huh. Yes. But I'm still yes. feasting on death. See, I'm not eating manna from heaven. Now, when you can eat manna from heaven, it will reverse you because it did in the with the people of Joshua generation. That manner changed their entire physiology and as long as they feasted on it, they were mighty and indomitable. But then they had to go back to eating meat and eating from the earth, the dead earth. And it didn't take long for that soul that was not renewed and that spirit that was no, you know, that spirit of death that was on hold, suspended to go back to work. See, this is eternal biology. See, because death didn't leave them. It was suspended because the manor was producing the eternal life that kept angels and that keeps angels going. Men ate angels food. So they couldn't. And and believe me, it didn't keep anybody alive because their whole generation still died out. But they didn't die out sickly. They did not. They just aged out of the planet. Are you OK? She's No. OK, so I just gave you proficology, proficiatry and prophenomics. We're going to go over that in the next several weeks. You need to understand what that's like. Now, I talked to you already about proficology, telling you that the, the prophet has got to know the soul of humanity. Because heaven is not does not see the soul the way the earth does heaven sees the soul is fused with the spirit not the body it's installed in the body but the soul is fused with the spirit so it everything that god has to say about us in the old testament is about the soul that must be born must be saved from eternal Death. Souls are born to go to hell. Spirit born to go to hell, to kill the soul. So when you look at Proverbs and you start reading Proverbs according to what I just said, you're going to see a whole lot of difference in your understanding of its statements about the spirit and about the soul. Because the spirit. The human spirit is natural. It is not eternal. That means it's it's depleting itself. It, it's not self-generating or regenerating. It's depleting itself. And the spirit that the Holy Spirit replaces is that of the serpent. So the spiritual life of the natural person is of the serpent in the garden. And it is feeding and fueling the soul. It is forming and shaping absorbing the human spirit because god left god left when A, um, adam ate. he's like i'm not cohabitating with the, the being <laughs> i cast out i'm not yeah. doing that so does this make sense so now so when we think about it and you realize that you must be born again You must be born again because of not that wasn't just a a paper contract. That was a cellular contract. That was a biotic contract made between Satan and God. And obviously it was made before man came into the planet because Satan knew what he was going after. And he knew there were nobody had pens and pencils back then. We didn't have attorney to arbitrate and navigate and negotiate. We didn't have any of that. All we had was whoever's whoever wins this clump of cellular biology owns the future, owns the generations, owns the descendants. So Eden was not we now we read it and it's well, it's paper, but there was no paper back then. So the covenant that was created by Adam was simply an access covenant. He gave the serpent who was cast out of heaven access to his physical being to begin to become the spirit of life that would keep him alive, rule and govern him until and see to it that he too. Didn't go to the place where God cast Satan out of now the cells that he received were cells that that fused with God's life, and but they did something very important, very scary, they began to kill the God life in him, and in killing that life, then he began to kill the God consciousness, God awareness, God knowledge, God a peace a, a pleasure. God desire. That is why you must be born again. Because this was not a a religious issue. There was no religion in the garden. Write it down. There was no religion in the garden. The garden had no religion. I need you to get that. They They had people. They had beings. We had the creator. We had his adversary and we had two people that were up for grabs. They would either be one's trophy or the other's trophy. Now, um, we can talk about that another time, but this is the knowledge prophets run on. Talking about the mind of Christ, the thoughts of God. Jesus always deals with his adversary. He's not caring about your religion. He doesn't care about your religion. He does not care about you lighting candles, spinning around, eating blood, or any of that. He does not care about it except to the extent that he wants to offer you a way out. When we do the, the gospel is the way out. But it does re, it, a, a culminate in the transference of a God. Adam transferred, he changed his God because there was no religion. He had no religion. I I keep saying it like that because we are basing this on something that's foolish. There There was no religion. Satan did not preach the gospel perversely. Adam did not respond to the gospel that Jesus brought. That's why he had to have a replacement called the last Adam and everything in in the garden and everything before religion was formed was about heaven or hell but no not even was about hell everybody went to hell that was the whole power of the cross everybody went to hell where do we find abraham in hell yeah. moses and enoch and elijah we later down the line later it was worth worthy to mention that they were caught up, that they did not see death, because that was were exceptions. And because of how they treated the Almighty, worked with him, and interacted with him, they every time they did right, they rose higher than death. So death started dying in them, and it began to disintegrate in them as they took on more of God's life. But they did that. Listen, there was no law of Moses. There was no Jewish religion in Sinai. Moses and all of them, when they were in Egypt, there was no religion. There was nationality. So he was a Jew by nature. But the law didn't come until they came from Egypt. Because until then, they served Egypt's gods. But there was no, we, 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 the arguments we're having are all stupid arguments. They're all mute, to me, moot arguments. Probably mute, they need to be muted, but moot arguments. <laughs> and I want you to think differently. So your salvation is not based on whether you like the Bible, don't like the Bible, agree with the Bible, don't agree with the Bible. God saved people without a Bible. Right. And there are people around the planet who are saved without a Bible. Because they were saved, they they got saved by faith, by the Holy Spirit who's hovering around them, offering them eternal life. That is why we have the Holy Spirit. They can talk about, well, we're just going to get rid of Christianity. No, you're not. You're not going to get rid of Christianity because you can't get rid of his womb. That's never going to happen. And you need to have somebody who understands how this scheme works from heaven to earth to tell you that. I don't live in fear of going to hell because I know that I'm, I don't have hell's equipment any longer. I don't have hell's conditions. It's cellular contract. See, I don't have those. See, it has a biotic contract and I switched my contract from Satan's doom to the gospel of Jesus Christ that rewards me with eternal life. He that believes in me, he is passed from death to life. A prophet said that, not an evangelist. If you don't eat my body and drink my blood, what is he talking about? Back then, their, their whole idea was when you got a body of knowledge, even today we call it a body of knowledge. Right. Is that right? So the body of knowledge is the word of God, the totality of the word of God that Jesus embodied physically. So I don't have those, those kind of, I don't, I never have them. As a matter of fact, when people, I listen to Christians are talk about, I just don't know what I am. Are you kidding me? When I got up off the floor, emptied of my devils? And I was empty. I never ever wondered who I am in Christ. Now I I, I can tell you I've had questions on how to grow, how to mature, how to understand his ways, how to follow them. So I have some how to's, but not who I am. I'm an offspring of the Godhead and I'm good at it. I know that there are saints that are not, that's your problem. You can, you can talk about being, you know, you're a, you're a sinning saint. I'm not. I'm not. I'm an erring saint. I can err because I don't know. Erring my ignorance. I don't know. But I'm not a sinning saint. We're not I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm, I'm a sinner. say I'm a saved saint. Or either I'm still a sinner. So I don't carry my sin t- attributes. I don't carry that. My flesh remembers them. Because now they've been downgraded to physical, mechanical behaviors, influences, and impulses. And it's my soul's job to curb those impulses. And it's my spirit's job to enable my soul to do that. So I don't walk around here. I'm not tempted by sin. I'm really not. And Because when I was a sinner, I was a really good sinner. I was thoroughly thoroughly committed to sin. Thoroughly. I'm telling you, if it was there, I'm going to try it. But when I met the Savior and I looked at this man and I I didn't get saved because I went down to an altar. I was in my room praying and Jesus came into my room. He, He showed up for me to take me. And from that moment on. Everything that was blinding my mind, I felt these things pop off my brains pop pop pop, 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 and it was a sky I didn't even know the sky was so pretty. that's how occultic I was and I say this to you to say, if you are born again, born from above, according to ezekiel thirty six and John three, if you are born again, you are. An offspring of the Godhead. And it's not about a Bible. The Bible is your guidebook. Bible doesn't save. The word saves. Bible doesn't save. And I'm speaking to someone today. You're saved by words. And the words in this Bible were written by prophets. So you need to seek more from your prophet than your future. You need to seek guidance. You need to seek explanations, revelation. You should seek interpretations, mentorship, business, enterprise, projects, ventures. That is what you should be seeking from a prophet. Now, a prophesier, you should be seeking some words and happy that you get them and hope you get the right ones. But prophetology is for prophet's handling of the soul. Prophetcology, the mind, and then prophetomics, the economy. Prophetcology, the soul of the prophet. And if your prophet's soul has not been healed, then guess what you're going to get? An unhealed dispensation. A little good, a little bad. Sometimes on, sometimes off. A little maybe, a little not. Chiatry, the mind of the prophet. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God. See, under the soul, we must believe to the saving of the soul. Your soul must be converted. The mind has to be transformed. You renew that with God's word. And then lastly... Profitnomics, the providential assets of the prophet. Now, as long as as I'm preaching this, you have an ear to hear. It is yours. It's your inheritance. It's there whether you hear it, whether you get it or not. But when you hear it, it awakens it, because it's there in you in dormant form. That is why you want to enroll in my class, Constructing the Contemporary Prophet. I'm sure they have it on the screen. I've had a blast with you. Um, I'm going to end on the same slide that I always give you. Should the testifier, storyteller, reporter, or talebearer's state of mind matter to the prophet? It will. Prophets are ridiculously discerning. They're going to be all penetrating everything, picking and stuff. I have to turn mine off because when I'm in a large room with people, because I'm like, Ooh, mm, oh, mm, oh, mm, my own and. That's not what you do. That is where self-control comes in. And that is where love comes in. Love observes and doesn't condemn, but plans to repair. Love observes, does not condemn, but plans to repair. See, we stopped at no condemnation and we act as if that was a period there, not a comma. But it says there is no condemnation in those who are in Christ Jesus. Does anybody know what the rest of it says? who walks according to the spirit and not the flesh. Should the following be taken into consideration? Deluded testimony and assessment, naive, inexperienced, underexposed criticisms, errant reports, misguided motives, impulsive blurts, and in question two, how much weight should the mental state factor into divine communications? I would like you to take that as a clinic project and begin to work with that and use what we showed you back here to answer those questions, to build up the discernment you need for detection, inspection, clarification, and approval. God bless you. Hey, we come to the end of time. Believe it or not, we are at the END of this all. And it's time to sow. But before you do, let me encourage you, urge you to sow, 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 and then share, 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 and then share, 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 and then sow, sow, sow. The where you can sow is on the screen. I'm asking for those people to say, well, you know, we shouldn't have to pay for that. Uh uh-uh. uh. When people tell me that, I take them to Paul's words. Paul said, if we have sown to you spiritual things, then we have every right to expect to reap. Your material things that includes prayer for those of you who have been who've been lying about people shouldn't pay for prayer. Prayer, if prayer is spiritual. If, if you're talking about motivation, you're talking about encouragement. That's one thing. And they get paid for motivating and encouraging. Prayer is spiritual. So there's a lie that we cannot charge you for it. It's a spiritual act to the spirit realm. So that's a lie, and that's another way to cheat God's people. Satan has a ton of cliches, a ton, a, a ton of slingos and adages and axioms to talk you out of, back, of bankrolling and backing God. Meanwhile, he's siphoning your money on every turn. You're paying more for food than you ever have. You're paying for gas. You have to take medications you don't even need or want. Because the thief comes but for the steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So Paul told us if you preach the gospel, you should live from the gospel. Included in the gospel is not only preaching, but praying and prophesying, ministering to the saints, tending to the needs of others, good deeds and sacraments that keep us in good stead with God. You heard it here first. Time for me to go. Join us Sunday at the embassy, home of the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. And when you come, you can come for Sunday school. You would love Sunday school. Some of you all online, I'm looking at your your comments and, and you know, we just applaud Chief for how she's walking through this faith message in a way that we did not hear it, but are now ready to receive it. And then 11 o'clock is Sunday service and we're on the biotic gospel of Jesus Christ how you were born again and what it means since you've been God bless you see you next time live think what think powerfully see see how good they are think differently live powerfully in Jesus name and prosperity will be yours God bless
1: Price should be on television because her wisdom is universal. Whether you're a Christian or not, whether you agree or you don't, there is wisdom and eternal truths in everything she says. She's intelligent and not just emotionally reactionary. And so, if she's going to, let's just say, have a rebuttal against something, she has done her homework. And so, it's not just shooting off emotionally and this is just what I believe and just, you know, unbridled passion all over the place. She should be on television because the world needs her, not just the body of Christ. There are answers that she has taken the time, which a lot of people don't want to do and paid the price and the sacrifice like people in scripture. And it's time for the world and the world is ready to hear that information Oh, she's real. Dr. Price is real. That's the appeal. We just had a whole bunch of people in church on Sunday, and the overriding comment was, but she's just so honest, but it's just so truthful. And it's not just honesty to shock people and do whatever. She's honest about the Lord, honest about the word, honest about us sitting in the seats and herself herself also sitting in their seats, and, and that's, that's huge. You, you don't even realize you don't hear the truth a lot until you hear it, and you're like, that's it, right there. <laughs> I want you to do me a favor. I want you to visit www.takingiton.com. Taking It On is not just about a television show. It is about getting around tables, having discussions, making connections, shaking hands, opening doors, And you might be the solution or the open door to what God has told Dr. Paul Price. And so as we continue to take it on, we want to take it on with you. Partner with us at www.takingiton.com. Introducing Soul Call Fridays with Dr. Price.
0: Taking your soul from distress to success. one person at a time. Tune in every Friday on Facebook or YouTube.